entrepreneurs so on born that brew. You are now listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Adam McChesney. Let's grow. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Adam McChesney, and I want to thank you for being here today. Today, we are not live from Half Coast Studios, but they are in full production of everything that is in what uh, goes into everything with the Entrepreneur Podcast. And we want to thank Half Coast for this amazing setup that they have, especially when we're in studio and for sponsoring the show. If you are looking to start your podcast or take your current one to the next level, then you definitely need to come check out what they have going on. Contact them today for a free consultation. If you're listening, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. We would love for you to share this on social media by tagging me and our guests, and this way we can get this incredible content out to more people. Today, we have another great episode lined up for you, and I originally got connected with this guest via our Hype Digital family and team and fellow franchisee Tatiana Chamorro. Not only is he an incredible leader and entrepreneur, but he's also going to talk to us about Hispanic Heritage Month, which is going on right now here in September. This is something that I'm also very excited to learn even more about and is close and near and dear to my heart because of my amazing team and ties to Nicaragua specifically. My guest today is J.R. Gonzalez. He is the Executive Vice Chair of the TAMAC, which is Texas Association of Mexican American Chambers of Commerce, along with being an entrepreneur, speaker, trainer, and podcast host. He was the past president of the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. J.R., welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I really, uh, Adam, I appreciate you having me here, and it's a great day, and we've got a lot of good things to talk about. I'm excited. I, I really appreciate you reaching out to a couple of weeks ago when uh, Tatiana had mentioned that you were going to be reaching out. I was excited because I've heard a lot about you and excited to, to learn even more about you. But um, for our guests and, and everyone listening, we like to walk our guests through their entrepreneurial journeys. We have some amazing guests and stories, a lot of value that is provided to the audience. So we'll walk through the journey and things like that. But before we get started, uh, really okay. want to dive into the Hispanic Heritage Month. So kind of start us just with all the ins and outs of that, and then we'll go through our typical entrepreneur outline. Okay. Well, it's interesting. Hispanic Heritage Month uh, actually starts uh, September 15th and goes through October 15th. Now, there's a lot of people that often wonder, how come it's just not a full month? And I'll get to that in just a second. But Hispanic Heritage Month Hispanic Heritage Month actually started when Lyndon Baines Johnson was in office and it was Hispanic Heritage Week. Then about 20 years later, under the Reagan administration, it turned into Hispanic Heritage Month. They saw that there's a growing population and that this uh, community of, of Spanish speakers of Latinos was going to have a huge impact on the on the uh, U.S. economy politics and the landscape in the future. So I said, let's designate an entire month. And it was actually uh, August 17th in 1988 that Congress officially dubbed it National Hispanic Heritage Month. Now, the interesting thing, Adam, is that the term Hispanic isn't even a Spanish word. That was a, a phrase that was coined during the Reagan administration to identify a group of people that was emerging uh, population-wise was going to have a significant impact. But also keep in mind that a lot of people don't realize being Hispanic isn't necessarily a, a race because like I'm Hispanic, obviously, but on my birth certificate, it says white. We're classified as white or Caucasians. So Hispanics is not a monolithic group. The Hispanic community actually derives from about 22 different countries of origin. So it's not, it's very diverse community within itself. So when you're talking about Hispanics or Latinos, 
Uh, I interchange both phrases pretty regularly. It depends on what part of this country you're in. Some people have feelings or try to gravitate towards one or the other. But we're talking 22 different countries of origin, a lot of different. It's still a common language, but a lot of different accents and dialects and slang and everything else. So it can get a little confusing, but um, it's that uh, that's what does it now within the uh, period. Why do we celebrate it from the 15th through the 15th from September to October? Actually, it was in Mexico that Father Hidalgo gave the famous Grito. And for those uh, who may not be familiar with that, that's pretty much started the Mexican Revolution from Spain, which Spain had actually controlled uh, at that point Mexico for like 180 years. So almost almost two decades, uh, two centuries that Spanish had control over um, over Mexico. So Father Hidalgo, a Catholic priest, started waving a flag, rang the bell, got a bunch of people together and says, we're not going to put up with this anymore. That's enough. Bum, bum, bum. He gave this historic speech that is uh, reenacted every year at every Mexican consulate throughout the world on the evening of September 15th. Well, that started the revolution. So, but along with that, it is a uh, September 16th is when the, the, the battle started and that kind of marks the Independence Day of Mexico. But also uh, on September 15th also marks Independence Day for Costa Rica, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. And then you go flip over to uh, the uh, October 10th, which is Chile's uh, Independence Day. And then, of course, another significant day is going to be October 12th, which is once known as Columbus Day. Uh, he's kind of falling out of vogue. And it's now Dia de la Raza. So if you combine all those, all those significant uh, times of independence happen in that ergo Hispanic Heritage Month that spans over the two month period and not just a month by itself. That's amazing. That's a lot of great history and, and the information and, and appreciate you sharing that with the audience. So obviously you, this is near and dear to your heart as well. You obviously have been involved in a variety of different organizations. How did you get started in all this different stuff? Well, it, it actually started. Um, I've always been uh, an advocate, you know, for Hispanic issues, finding myself growing up. I really went to a lot of schools that were not primarily Hispanic, even my university. Uh, I graduated from um, what's now Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas. And I jokingly say when I enrolled in the campus, uh, I increased the Hispanic population on campus by at least 33 percent because there was <laughs> there was me, there was the groundskeepers and there's the cafeteria ladies. And that was about it. But since then, uh, Texas State is now a Hispanic serving institution. It's in the heart of Texas. Very proud of the university. I do a, a lot of stuff with them. And then I started getting um, after I started my first business at about age 26. Um, soon thereafter, I joined the local Hispanic Chamber of Commerce in Austin, Texas. And that's how it got started. And from then, I just uh, kept with it. And I've been involved with Hispanic Chambers ever since I'm uh, since I was 26 years old. So I'm uh, what? 36 right now. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I've been I've been I've been at it for more years, Adam, than I want to remember. But uh, I have a passion because I'm a business owner. I'm a business person, an entrepreneur. And I love dealing with other entrepreneurs and that whole attitude. It's it's it's, a, it's a, as you well know, being one yourself, it's a different mindset when you start dealing with business owners and entrepreneurs. Absolutely. It's definitely a different lifestyle. It's a different mindset. 
you operate on a completely different level across the board. I couldn't agree with you more. So what are some, uh, you know, during uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, what are some different events that these Chambers of Commerce do? Or is there anything that goes on, you know, throughout the year that, uh, that people can learn more about? Yeah, well, there's stuff that's going on all the time, Adam, and especially on on uh, this weekend, uh, a lot of stuff's going on. For example, this weekend, I'm going to be in Lockhart, Texas. In Lockhart, Texas, they're having a uh, their Guess You Say celebration in downtown Lockhart around the square. And you have these type of celebrations happening on the week, the closest weekend or the weekend after whatever the date lands on all over the all over the southwest and all over the country. So as it's a it's a significant date to celebrate and there's different forms of celebration you can do it either in a, a fiesta type atmosphere with with music and food and and games and ballet folklorico dancers and mariachis and the whole thing or you could have something a little more educational you can have uh poetry readings uh i was when i was in washington dc i'd often go to the uh, i'd always be invited to the embassy of mexico for their celebrations so it's just a a, a whole variety of stuff i think the important thing is not the celebration is one, a celebration of life and a celebration of the community. But what's equally as important is the contributions the community has given. Contributions that not only historically, uh, economically, and the importance of recognizing that in the United States, we are a very uh, eclectic group of people and Latinos make up a part of the fiber that keeps this country together. And especially down here in Texas and along the Southwest, Hispanics play key roles in politics, in the economy, in the social uh, landscape. I mean, it's just um, something that a lot of people don't realize, but very, very important to to stop and, and look at from time to time. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more and, and definitely appreciate you shedding light on, on what it is uh, that is a Hispanic Heritage Month and kind of going in depth on some of your involvement with it. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about how people can get involved as well, but would love to kind of learn a little bit more about you as an entrepreneur. I know you, you mentioned starting, you know, business at, at 26, walk us through some of the businesses that you've started and kind of what your journey has been from that standpoint. No problem. In fact, uh, like I said, right out of college, I was, I was recruited, if you will. And I worked for two senators, a U.S. congressman, and was a senatorial aide in the state legislature all by 26. All by wow. 25. 26 is when I started my first business. And Adam, I, I kind of started that business because I really couldn't find a job. And I had actually worked for a, uh, a for a short period of time, a radio station down in South Texas, uh, KBFM. And uh, I had to deal with advertising agencies a lot. And I just thought, these people are jerks, man. They really don't know what they're doing, but they get all the money. So I said, I can be a jerk. So I'll start my own business. So I started an ad agency. And uh, it was very interesting starting that because my very first office was in a building where I talked the building owner into finishing out what he used as a janitor's closet for my office. He put wallpaper. I put my desk in there. I put a phone line. And my rent... This was back in the 80s, was $187.50. $187.50. I signed a two-year lease because I got two free months. When that third month was due, coming due, Adam, I barely made the rent. But it wasn't, it was soon thereafter that I ended up grossing in a very short period of time. I got my agency up to doing over half a million dollars. And I just doubled, doubled, doubled after that. Each month I doubled my revenue. And at one point, uh, about a year into it, I was approached. And I started a second company because when I was working my way through college, part of the time I was working as a security guard. I mean, it was easy work. 
you sitting in an empty warehouse, make sure it doesn't burn down or anybody breaks in. I was, and I was able to study. So I got involved and I started a security company and um, started that from the ground up. And I had that for about, um, about 16, 17 years in the ad agency for over 20. So I had two companies going on. And that's when, when I had those companies, that's when I started getting involved in uh, chambers of commerce and taking leadership roles there. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's funny how a lot of people get into entrepreneurship and, and I was working in corporate America, but I realized pretty quickly that's not what I wanted to do. So I realized I needed to, to make a, a, an avenue to be an entrepreneur. And so a lot of people always have a different story. So I appreciate you sharing that. For our entrepreneurs that are listening, what are you know three things that have made you successful in your entrepreneurial journey thus far? Oh, okay. One of the things I tell people, Adam, is if they want to be an entrepreneur starting their own business, that you're never going to work so long, so hard for so little in the beginning. So you need to be, you need to be prepared to do that. Uh, there's a lot of times with uh, bologna sandwiches on day old bread, you know, it just, mm-hmm. you, you had to get through it. But I think some of the key things was um, having a vision and sticking to that and having the, uh, the tenacity or the, or the internal fortitude to stick to it no matter what. And I guess another point that I want to, that I want to point out is never, ever give up on your dreams. I mean, listen to other people, but don't let people talk you out of it. I think some of the biggest mistakes I've made is actually listen to other people when my gut, I felt that this was right. And if I felt it was right, I learned after a while, then I can make it right. So what you do if it's not along the same lines as everybody else? Well, do it different. If I often look at if nobody else is doing it, why not? Is it a bad idea or am I actually come up with something new? I always try to fulfill and take everything I think of to the to maximum extreme to see if the darn thing works. Now then, I'll tell you this, Adam. I've have a lot of I've had a lot of failures in my life. There's a lot of ideas I had that just didn't work. But uh, to quoting a uh, David Ogilvy uh, from a guy who started Ogilvy and Mather Advertising Agency way back when says, well, the thing is you make your successes public and your failures secret. So I've got a lot of secrets, Adam. We won't talk about those, but I've been very blessed and very fortunate to have some successes as well. I love it. I love it. And those, those three things I think go hand in hand, you know, really, really well, which is what is a pretty common theme. The things that make you the most success are normally you know, attributes and contributions to one another. So having a vision, the tenacity, and then trusting your gut, I think is something that is so underutilized and undervalued because people think that they need to get outside perspective, which is always great. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to live with those decisions. Or they try to duplicate um, somebody else's idea, or they try yeah. to do something or it's kind of, well, it's going to be like that. And I know, I mean, it is or it's not. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, always, always do the research and make sure that there's uh, scope out the competition, make sure there's space for you. And if there's, if it's a, a, a saturated market, such as you and I, we're podcasters, it's a saturated market, but at the same time, uh, survival of the fittest and depending on our content and how we, how we, uh, the guests that we have and stuff is all going to make it whether we survive or not. So, I'm in it for the long haul, Adam. I'm sure you are too. So let's, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And that's why, 
you know, we like to do our podcast a little bit differently, comparing the entrepreneurial journey to the beer brewing process and have a little bit of a branding play with that, which kind of gets us into our next point. Uh, entrepreneurship and great beer doesn't happen overnight. So I know we talked about success and failure and all that stuff, but what are some things that you went through and just in terms of the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows throughout your, uh, your career as an entrepreneur? Wow. Like I said, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of failures, a lot of mistakes, but I think a lot of it just boils down to just staying focused. Now, a quick little story here is I had a successful advertising agency growing and the security company, I had no plans of owning a security company. I had a group of um, young men approach me and said, hey, JR, we want to start a security company. Now, being familiar with the business and working in the business for a period of time, I knew the business. So I, they showed me their plan. I said, sounds like a good idea. So uh, I fronted them some money. Then they needed more. Then they needed more. And this is bad. This is back when this is in the 80s. OK, so $15,000 later, I'm into this thing. I go, guys, that's it. You know, I can't get you any more money um, because they had made promises to pay it back. Then they just abandoned the business. I go, OK, we're done. Here you go. We quit. And I go, you got to be kidding me. So I had this very expensive license hanging on my wall to operate a security company. And I had no employees. I had no clients. I had no ambitions to have a company. I said, man, that's just a waste of money. So I said, we're going we're gonna to get a company going. So remember that building owner I told you that I talked into finishing yep. out a janitor's closet? Well, I had a much bigger offices now. He also owned several buildings. I said, Mike, why don't you let me do your security? He goes, well, what do you do? I go, well, we can do patrols and we can go out and rattle the doorknobs so many times a night. So he gave us a contract to do that. So what I did, Adam, I had no employees. So it was working a lot of late hours and early morning hours. But um, on weekends, I'd play poker with my buddies and I would just go, okay, deal me out for a few hands. I would get on a security jacket, put on security, grab my flashlight and go check the buildings and come back and have another hand, play till the sun comes up, do a final round, fill out the reports and there you go. So wow. it was, and that's the way the actual security uh, company started is just, you know, me by myself and uh, checking doors uh, at all hours of the night. And then it grew to one point we were like at 110 employees. Incredible. That's, I, I love stories like that because especially nowadays on social media, all of the entrepreneurs, not all of them, but a lot of them are like, making it seem so easy and people look at those people and they're like, wow, they just had it all and it's overnight. And then you hear stories like this and everybody's got a similar story, but it's not talked about often enough. Yeah. And I tell people, look, you got to be like a duck. You see a duck going across a pond and it looks so smooth and graceful, <laughs> but under the surface, they're just paddling, paddling like hell, you know? So I'm always doing the paddling. I, a lot of people say, JR, you make it look so easy. What they don't see is the all-nighters, the late nights, the work, the toil, that everything that you know and a lot of your listeners know, what goes into starting your own business or being an upstart or even maintaining one. There's a lot of work behind the scenes, and not everybody needs to see how the sausage is made. They just need to enjoy the sausage. Couldn't have said it better myself. I love that. Love that Sausage does go with beer very well. <laughs> that it does. That it does. It's perfect. So the next question I'd love to ask is, I know we talked about some some lessons and some highs uh, and lows and things like that, but what is the one biggest lesson that you've learned that you would share with an entrepreneur that's looking to save years worth of mistakes in their journey? 
don't mess with IRS. <laughs> Solid <laughs> advice. Solid <laughs> advice. <laughs> you know, when I first started my business, Adam, not ashamed to say it, is that I didn't look, I mean, I was the idea guy. I was, I was going hundred miles an hour, but I never took the time to do the paperwork and fill out the stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know about another where you're at, but in the state of Texas, I didn't realize that I had a property tax on my office furnishings and I just, it got by me. I ignored it. I, I don't know what happened. Then one day I realized my, my uh, business bank account is frozen. I go, what, who froze it? Well, the tax assessor collected froze it because I didn't pay taxes on my office furniture and equipment. And I'm going, you got to be kidding. So that was a mess. Uh, I've been audited by IRS twice, uh, once on my birthday. They had fun doing that. Uh, each time I came out okay. Uh, it's just that my methods probably didn't meet some of their standards. But once we explained it, I was doing everything. I was, I was fine. But mm -hmm. I tell you what, it's time and money and headache dealing with the IRS. Anytime I send them something, I do it in, in I, I send it registered mail. I keep a copy of what I send them. I keep a copy of the tab because they're great people over there. But let me tell you what, um, a lot of times you'll send in the same document three or four times and they'll come back and fine you $5,000 for not turning in that document. <laughs> so I would say, number one, make sure that your finances are in a row and do not mess with your taxing authorities because they can get you. They really can't. Um, another thing is that um, the advice I give is, is seek out people who have gone before you and try to avoid the pitfalls. Learn from them. You don't have to duplicate them, but learn from them. And a lot of good people, and that's why I enjoy chambers of commerce so much, because you get to interact with, with people that are a lot more successful than you, and then you in turn can help the next person uh, avoid some pitfalls. But try to learn your market, your space, and what pitfalls to avoid. And then and there again, learn the hard way. HR is something very, very real, especially nowadays. You know, uh, human resources of what you can and can't do. Know those. If you kind of know those nuances, you keep your finances in order. Don't mess with IRS. Understand your local laws. Research your space uh, that you want to be in. Learn from other people and make sure you have some sort of decent H HR plan and you're in compliance with everything. Uh, like that minimum wage poster that's supposed to be in your break room for everybody to see. I like, really, when's the last time anyone made minimum wage? But anyway, mm -hmm. I think those are some key things that you need to think about. I tell people, you may be the best widget maker in the world, and you could probably sell millions of widgets. But to sell it, you need employees, you need staff, you need accounting, you need paperwork, you need all this other stuff on the back end that you're probably not good at because I know I'm not good at it. And that's why I surround myself with good people. Uh, that's amazing. Incredible advice and great lessons to learn from, for sure. The last thing that we want to ask you, and it's the, the final piece of the entrepreneur process, which is the distribution. So within the beer market, it's obviously taking it to market and selling it. So you've been working, obviously, have, have had these businesses. You're very involved with the Chambers of Commerce. What's next for JR? What do you have on the horizon? Any exciting news and things like that that's coming down the pipeline? Well, uh, Adam, thank you for asking. One of the things that I'm very proud of my, my past, the things that I've accomplished, but I look at it this way. That's in the past. I don't want to talk about so much of what I've done, but what I'm going to do next. Yep. And um, during the pandemic, a lot of things happened. I mean, just a lot of suffering, a lot of businesses going out of business, a lot of what I was doing, I was unable to do anymore. And one of the things is, Adam, I did a lot of speaking engagements. I did a lot of speaking engagements in person, uh, professional development training. I still do it. 
but the pandemic kind of put a lot of that to a halt. And then through Tamak, the Texas Association of Mexican American Chambers of Commerce, which I'm a, an executive officer of, I said, you know, we need another avenue to reach out to our folks because I used to do a lot of, uh, like I said, training and speaking. And so that's when we came up with the podcast idea, the Latino Business Report. And so with the Latino Business Report, it's an avenue to do interviews like this, like you are, which is a great value. Thank you very much. But to highlight some folks and profile and talk about business. So on our podcast, we talk about business people and issues of the day from a Latino perspective, because it is a different perspective. So we, so we do that. And so part of what I'm doing now is building this podcast as a vehicle to support the Tamak um, and the Chamber of Commerces and to give an untold story that we don't see in the headlines. Because, Adam, it just really frustrates me. And a lot of people think about the Latino market, the Hispanic market, uh, the political rhetoric, the things that are going on around nowadays. Unfortunately, a lot of people of Hispanic origin are just demonized. They're demonized in the press, they're demonized in the public, they're demonized, uh, they're, they're thought of, guys, we're all criminals and drug dealers and everything else. Not so. And an interesting point is that if you were to look at the U.S. Latino market, Adam, if you were to get the entire U.S. Latino market in the United States and combine that, we would be the eighth largest economy in the world, the eighth largest economy in the world. That's how much buying power that is out there. Uh, in the Latino market. In Texas alone, in Texas, we're over 40% of the, of the population. And the Census Bureau, bless their hearts, they try to do a good job, but they always undercount the Latino community. From the year uh, 2000 to 2010, the Latino population grew in the United States. 50, we were responsible for 57% of all the growth in the United States between 2000 and 2010. From 2010 to 2020, Hispanics were responsible for 51% of the growth of the entire country. So it is a growing uh, population that's going to double in size one more time before it finally plateaus off. We have been the largest minority majority for a while and continues to, and to continue to head in that direction. But if you look at that, along with that growth, and we're not talking about growth due to immigration or, or people being here undocumented, we're talking this growth is due to the fact that Latinos are about 10 to 15 years younger than any other market. And as the, as the non-Hispanic white population is aging, they're having less and less children where the Hispanic population is still growing and having more children. So it's just going to get to that point where it kind of plateaus off when we're about 16 to 18% of the population overall. But in the Southwest, we're definitely going to be, you know, close to 50% of the, uh, of the population. Now, you're a businessman. From a business perspective, especially in the Southwest, and not only Southwest, but all over the country, like in Texas, can any business afford not to pay attention to over 40% of their market? No. <laughs> not at all. They can't. They can't. So, um, and then two, Adam, I've been very fortunate. I've had the opportunity to travel a lot, not lately because of the pandemic, but um, I mean, I've stood on the Great Wall of China 13 times. I go to China a lot. I've been to Europe. I've been to different places. And it's very frustrating that in the U.S., um, that attitude will, by golly, you're in America, so you're going to speak English, where all these other countries are speaking multiple languages and conducting business globally. Um, it is it, kind of frustrating, but I feel very fortunate and very blessed to, to be able to understand, uh, you know, and speak two languages. Uh, Mandarin Chinese, I tried, I gave up, uh, <laughs> kind of, but I, I, there was a direct correlation between how much rice wine I had 
and my ability to speak Mandarin, or at least I thought I was speaking Mandarin, but it, it just came out. So in the future, uh, we're going to continue this podcast, we'll work with Chambers of Commerces, and develop new programs to help young entrepreneurs. Now, even though it's a Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and I invite people, it's tamacc.org, Tamak, tamacc.org. Just because we're a Hispanic-based organization doesn't mean we we don't we only help Hispanics. We'll have, help everybody. And the thing about Hispanic chambers across the country, I find them unique is because a lot of chambers have the responsibility of also being their visitors to the convention bureau. They have other responsibilities and they're bringing in large corporations. But with the Hispanic chambers, we tend to focus in on the smaller businesses, the small mom and pops and give them the resources that they need. So to answer your question, I wanna to continue to develop resources uh, for small uh, businesses. And then we're also on the verge of uh, establishing a statewide leadership program for not just Hispanics, for people who have some degree of uh, wherewithal and experience already, but enhance those so they can go on and take uh, leadership roles on, from corporate boards into the political arena and, and social and nonprofit networks. That's amazing. I'm, I'm excited to, to continue to watch your guys' journey and see everything that you're going to accomplish because I know it's an amazing, amazing initiative that you guys have going on. JR, thank you so much for coming on the episode today. Where can people find you, whether it's social media, uh, websites, things like that? I'll include that all in the show notes. Absolutely. I mean, I have a LinkedIn and it's, it's just capital J period R period Gonzalez. Gonzalez with an S on the end. Don't don't upset my father. It's not G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z. It's E-S. I'm on uh, I'm on face I'm on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I, I'm too old to do TikTok. I've, I've given up on that. So I, I'm, I'm there. And also, uh, I encourage folks. And if you're interested, especially in Hispanic Heritage Month, episode number 25 of the Latino Business Report gives you a more in uh, in depth thing about fun facts uh, about the, uh, Hispanic community that you may, that they don't teach you in school. And that's the name of the episode, you know, things that you don't learn in school about the Hispanic community. So, uh, Adam, thank you very much for, for having me. It's, it's a pleasure being here. And, uh, as one podcast to another, good luck. And uh, thank you so much for the, this opportunity of being on, being on your podcast, sir. Thank you so much. And, and I appreciate it as well. And we'll definitely have all that in the show notes. That way people can stay connected with you and learn more about Hispanic Heritage Month. And want to thank the audience again for tuning into today's podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, download and share our content. Leaving a five star review goes a long way. And thank you again to Hafco Studios for everything that they do in the Entrepreneur Podcast and getting this thing up each and every single week. If you're here in St. Louis and looking to start your own podcast or take your current one to the next level, then come check out what they have going on. We'll We'll see y'all next week. And remember, entrepreneurs aren't born, they are brewed. I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs aren't born, they're brewed. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Adam McChesney. Let's